Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We have one more announcement, which is really exciting. And um, if you're very quiet this morning, you just go, yes. yes. You don't even know what it is, but you're like, yes. But um, three years ago, we... We were experiencing growth in this community. People were sitting all over, and, and we had a bunch of people driving through from Milnerton. I had a young redhead firebrand preacher who was preaching once every three, four or five weeks. And I went to him, and I said, you actually need to lead a church, and you need to plant a church. To which he came back to said, could we do something together? And then two prophetic words God spoke to ladies in our community who came and gave me very specific words about what it could look like. And that was the birth of Milnerton. And so if you've only ever been here, we have a church that right now are meeting. They'll be finishing up in the next half hour. They meet in Milton. They serve the community of Milton. And people drive from Camps Bay. We have a home group in Camps Bay. They drive through every week to Milton to serve God in a family called Life Changes and, and our house together. And I know you might not know all of them, but that's our family and our house. And God's done something spectacular there. As people have got saved there who didn't get saved here and drive past this building every Sunday to go there, which is cool. I don't know how God does it, but He does it. Anyway, in the process, we've been asking God, what does it look like? Um, we've had some space issues, do, and there's a philosophy often in church of just build a bigger building, more people come, and, and we just have never felt that that's our story at this stage. And God, we've had people driving through from the city to Milnerton and largely to our evening congregation. In and through all of that, God has also been speaking and challenging. We are received a word from a lady, another lady in our community in April saying, God's going to add leaders to your story. And God's calling us to pioneer again. He's going to give strategies to which we have been speaking and chatting. We are going to be launching an evening congregation in the city of Cape Town, in the city center, um, later on this year, which is very, very exciting. And it's exciting for so many reasons. One, obviously, we have a whole bunch of people who live there and drive through, which is amazing. But actually, we want them to impact their community. It's also exciting because a lot of you work in the city. Your relationships are in the south. And, and actually, to send them somewhere is quite difficult. Plus, we feel God's given us a mandate to reach into the city at this time. It really doesn't affect much of our Sunday morning at all. Actually, everything will stay the same in this regard. But as a family, we're going to be pioneering again, reaching again. That's why we exist. Remember, we don't exist for ourselves. We exist for those who don't know Christ yet. We exist to reach people, to then raise people up in community and release them for the kingdom of God. And how better than to release our family, our best as well, in this reaching story but one of the very exciting things is the way that God has done it because there are not many venues available in the city and Cape Town City is also extravagantly expensive. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> and um, yet God has provided an incredible gift to partner with an incredible church called St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, which is as you drive into the city, Somerset Road, right by Truth Cafe, I don't know if you know where it is, there's a spectacular, beautiful church that was built in 1827. And has seen God do mighty things. First and foremost, it was the first church in Cape Town and South Africa where the slaves who were brought to South, uh, brought to South Africa were allowed to worship in freedom and become full partners and see the, fully participate in the life of God and the life of a church, which is spectacular and profound considering our history in South Africa. And this church is still being used mightily in transformation as it has a very diverse, powerfully diverse and transformative, transformative community. And secondly, this was also a church that's seen revival. And Cape Town saw a revival in the 60s called the Hippie Revival. 
as there was a whole group of hippies in the city who were meeting, and one of the leaders of that got, gave their life to Jesus and started bringing people en masse to this church that saw revival meetings every night happening in the city as hundreds upon hundreds of hippies got saved and encountered the love of Jesus and, and saw the life of God. So this is a powerfully transformative story that we get to participate and be a part of as God has given promises. It's also a story that's seen revival. We want to see revival in our city. And, and God will do it anyway. He'll do it however He chooses. But I'm telling you, He looks for faith. And He wants to partner with faith and a community that will stretch itself. And so at this time, later in this year, we're going to be planting in the city. And um, we're going to ask you to gossip about Jesus and His goodness. And tell your friends at work about what He's doing. Because I'm telling you, the biggest church in the city has no name. They're called the Duns. It's called um, the Done with Jesus, Done with Church Christians. They are the biggest church in the city. We want to reach them and get them in community. We want to reach those who've never encountered the love of Jesus. We want to reach them too. And there are hundreds upon thousands of them in our city. And, and we want to serve them and reach them. So that's exciting. That's happening. Pray for it. Support it, please. And allow God to speak to us in these times. But this morning, is that exciting news? Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Naomi, you're a champion. Thank you for dyeing your father's mustache, which... Looks very scary this morning, so I'm going to not look at you again, because a pink mustache on a bald man just doesn't work. Um, just saying. <laughs> but um, it is Father's Day, and we're going to jump in. We were going to close off the, the Colossians series this morning, but I'm going to allow Mr. Gabe Phillips to kick off and close up the Colossians series next week, so he'll be here preaching with us that. But this morning, I want to speak into Father's Day. As I realized, actually, we don't speak topically into some of these things too often, but there's a mandate, as I believe something of the sign and wonder to this world are families that are healthy with fathers and mothers' place. Now, if you're a single parent in this house, God does amazing things, and we want to honor and salute every single parent who's raised and pours out into those child 100%. We totally honor you and thank God for what you've done. But there's something about the father reality, something about God presenting himself as a father to our world that calls us to understand this thing of fathering. The same Apostle Paul who wrote Colossians writes this, For this reason, in Ephesians 1, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking. When the Apostle Paul starts writing, I keep asking. He's saying, this is important. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So what? So that you may know Him who? The Father better. That you may know Him better. That Christianity is not a new way of living. It's not just a whole bunch of sets of rules. It's not just another religion, one of the many options. It's a way that has been made by the love and blood of Jesus that we have a way to know the Father. Christianity has a destination, and that destination is in heaven. That destination is a relationship with the Father. We've got to change some of those things. And when we understand that, then we start saying, well, the representation of the Father on this earth is really important. Not just to my children, but to the world around us. And there aren't a whole lot of good examples around necessarily. Because if you read the tabloids, you read the magazines, you'll have examples like, well, if I just work really, really hard, keep myself really busy, make lots of money, give my kids great education, lots of money, and maybe a trust fund, that's good parenting. Well, I say, where, where did you get that from? Now, there is inheritance in the Father He gives, but it's in the Father. There's a whole bunch of pictures that we're given, and even in the Bible, we're given some pretty good examples. I would say, if you are a father and say, well, what is fathering? Well, look at the Bible. If you're a 
child who's never had a father, you've got to look at the Bible to say, what is a father so that you can see the father? And then there's examples in the Bible that are really important. I love some of them. I mean, right up front, you get Noah. I love Noah as a father. He must have been a good guy. He had three sons. Just saying, not saying anything, just saying. But imagine that journey. Come on, boys. God's spoken. We're going to build a boat. And we're going to keep building for year upon year, decade upon decade. We're going to build a boat. Come on, boys. Imagine those boys. I mean, my kids. Let me just put them in the center. Oh, Dad, it's so embarrassing. Look at our big boat. We don't have water, Dad. But I tell you, when the rains came, they would have looked at their dad like, who is like our dad? It's an amazing thing. A man who was deemed by God as righteous, the only righteous man in his generation. And God, he did everything God commanded, even the details on that ark he commanded. Now, the cool thing is these days, our ark is Jesus. And we get to place our children in Jesus. And one day our kids will look at us and go, thank you, Dad, that you placed us in Jesus when the storms came. What about Abraham, the father of nations? Imagine his kids when they're dead. How old was mom again? I'm 12. Mom's 100 and what? How did that work? Well, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you about the God of miracles. Let me tell you about the God who keeps his promises. Because I'm trying to be a father like that. What, what about all these other examples of, of leaders and, and that we are given? It's, uh, what about Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel? Or what about David and his establishing a kingdom so his son could thrive and those things? And all these fathers were flawed, all of them. But there's one father in the Word and the Bible that doesn't get looked at that I've never found a preach on or heard a preach on in the context of fathering. Actually, most of the time he's un- overlooked. And so the title of my preach this morning is The the father God chose for his son. Because God sent his son to the womb of a woman. The sovereign king, the one who knew all things. He saw all things. He didn't just choose a woman. He chose a family to place that son into a betrothed story. A man named Joseph and a lady named Mary. And Joseph doesn't get a whole bunch of accolades. But I think, as I sat down a little while ago to write a will for my, for my life and for my family... It's quite a big thing who you choose to leave your kids to. And there might be a whole bunch of tick boxes, and maybe you do want them fed. Yes, that's important. Maybe you do want a roof over there. Yes, that's important. But I think the number one thing is I want to place them in a home where they will encounter the love of God, where they will encounter someone who's passionate about God and fears God more than man and would lead them on a journey of revealing the love of the Father to them. That's a very, very, very high thing. So I think when God said, I'm going to send my son to the earth, when I'm going to place him in the womb of a woman, it's not just a random scenario, oh, Joseph's around. No, Joseph was betrothed to Mary. God knew this story was going to play out. God knew something about that man, Joseph, that pulled that story forward. And I think when God chooses a man to father his son, we've got to look and say, what about this man, Joseph, revealed something of the father in heaven? Is that a stretch or are you guys all right? was just, Mark had a clever idea. Let's go with it. Just keep nodding. In Matthew chapter 1, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. I'm going to stop there. Four things about this man, Joseph, as a father today. Whether you are processing what a father is, sometimes when I say father to people, I'm very aware, father means abuse. For my mate Sean in Durban, father was the guy who on his fourth-year-old birthday punched him in the nose because he asked for a birthday present. For his brother, who had other challenges, the father was the guy who locked him in a cupboard for days. For my, my other friend who grew up in the Congo and whose parents only had enough finances to take two kids on holiday with them when there were six or seven children, father was the guy who chose the two kids with two best marks to take them on holiday every year. I'm just telling you, that's what father means to people. But God wants to reveal who father is. And I think when God chooses a man like Joseph, we've got to look at how that man lives and say, well, what about him stood out? In verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married. And Joseph looks at the scenario, and, and imagine it play out. Please understand this. In these days, engagement wasn't what it was. Put a ring on it. That's like engagement. No, in these days, engagement was a contract, a 12-month contract in which both parents would come together. They would agree that these two would be married in 12 months' time. Why 12 months? Because it's longer than nine. Simple thing, really. They just wanted to make sure there wasn't any skullduggery or things going on behind the scenes or any, you know, rom-com stories in the background. So please understand they're engaged. And all of a sudden, with that background and understanding of what it is to be betrothed in this time, Mary comes to Joseph and says, I'm with child by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine. The anger that would arise. The, the, who's she been sleeping with? Where's this come from? Uh, um, she's been sleeping around, actually. But you know what? He decides, even before the angel engages him, he says he doesn't want to shame her publicly. So he would do it quietly. I don't know about you, but when it's the publicly the betrothal, publicly the promises, and yet actually this man chooses a road of mercy. This man chooses a road of no shame. Fast forward a few years. A son named Jesus, grew up in a house with an adopted father named Joseph. And Jesus encounters a situation when a crowd are ready to stone a woman. And that same Jesus got on his knees in the sand, took his finger, wrote something in the sand, and said, anyone without sin cast a first stone. Yes, he had an incredible heavenly father, so do you and I. An incredibly merciful and, and loving heavenly father. But you know what Jesus also had going for him? He had an earthly father who chose mercy, an earthly father who chose no shame. Incredible thing. I think Moses, uh, Joseph was a man of mercy. When I read 2 Corinthians 1, it tells me about my father in heaven. He says, blessed is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. What afflictions do you have? Pressures, pains, disappointments. What do you need comfort for? Well, the Bible says, go to your father. And Jesus got an earthly father. When I look at this man, Joseph, 
Secondly, he was a protector. It says in Matthew 2, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Please understand it's all happening. They're still betrothed. It's not all looking great for Joseph. People are talking in the neighborhood. Mary's looking rather chunky these days, but they shouldn't be married yet. What's going on? It's scandal. And God speaks. He says, actually, you need to give. This is a man who decides to protect. He protects. He listens to God and he protects. I want to tell you that the Father in heaven is a protector. He'll protect you. He will hold you. There's a natural inclination of a father. I remember Judah in his early days at, at an Afrikaans, and predominantly Afrikaans school in our area. He's a little Durban boy, arrived in Durban, and quite small for his age, young for his year. He got in the car, and mom was driving him home. He says, mom, what's a dwachi? Which, if you don't speak Afrikaans, means dwarf. Because that's what he was being called at school. And he's quite a resilient little cat, but you could see. And he's fought that battle for five years. And every time a big boy from Otsuren or Durbanville or somebody wants to run at him on a rugby field, I want to run on the field. And then I realize there are only 10. You're not allowed to do that. Um, but, um, but there's an instinct inside of me. And I want to tell you this, that there was that same instinct to Joseph. Even though this isn't my son, even though this wasn't my preferred journey, even though none of this makes sense, I just to choose to trust God and I will protect what God has given Fathers are made to protect. You're working out what it is to be a father, maybe still in nappies and think right now a father is... No, it's more than that. It's to protect. I watched Brenton walk in here with his little one in a carry knapsack with that little one right up against him. It's the design of a father. It's the role of a father. You see, in everybody's journey, in every person's journey, there, there will be that natural clinging to mom and then you grow and then you realize as you get older, the father begins to make more of a role. And there's questions like, am I special? Am I important? Who sees me? And there's a very privileged potential of the father to stand on the side of a rugby field and go, I see you. And Coach Oscar to say, you can do it. See, I've got a little boy named Ben who's deep inside my soul. He's a, he's a very sensitive little man. His brother is like Mr. Popular. Yes, the Dwachi, he's Mr. Popular. He, um, he goes, he's been to like 45 birthdays this year. He's that kid. His younger brother, two years younger, has been to one birthday party in almost two years. As a father, how do you do that? How do you love in that? How do you, well, you, you just protect, you fight for, and you keep fighting for their future and trusting for them. Thirdly, when I look at Joseph, as I see a man of faith, says in verse 20, as he considered this, so he considered leaving her quietly. He considered, no, she says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why do not be afraid? Because he was afraid. For this child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He gets to name Jesus. Have you thought about that? Because of faith, because of courage, because of an ability to trust God, he gets to name the king of kings on this earth. You are to name him Jesus. But please don't misunderstand here. It took faith in the word of God, and it continues to take faith in the word of God to lead and to love children in these times. 
It continues to take faith to seek out the Word of God and to seek out the Word of God that we are now given. It takes faith and then it takes courage to lead in such a manner that it's not always going to be popular. And there will be many times your children will come to you like they come to me. Oh, but dad, everybody's doing this and every parent's doing this. And you're going, yeah, but I cannot reconcile it. I need faith and I need courage and so do you. And fathers have done this. But we have a father problem in our world. That's just the reality. Right now what the world needs is a sign and wonder called front-footed, faith-filled fathers who trust God and His ways with their children. Who serve their children by fighting for their children and calling their children more into God, the heavenly God's ways. And this man, Joseph, stands out not because he was gifted. He was a carpenter, maybe a great carpenter. We don't know. He went very quiet in Jesus' ministry. Possibly he had died by then. We only hear about Mary. So we don't know much of a story. We don't know his skill set. We don't know how much money he in the bank. But what we know is that he fathered the Son of God on this earth. He got to name him. But in his story, there is a faith story. I want to ask you, fathers, what's your faith story? We live in a world and sometimes a church world where it's just okay to have a faith. And I want to tell you, your faith calls you to have a faith story. And so does mine. Like trusting God. Like loving your enemies. Like dealing with prejudice. It's not okay to sit on the couch and shout prejudice and someone will get over it. No, it's not okay. No, the gospel calls us to have faith stories where we go beyond that. I have a faith story from my father. My father's never preached in his life. He's not a preacher man. He's a businessman who's trusted God and lost everything at 62 years old. But you know what he did for me? He broke the chains of addiction that had come down generation upon a generation. I got a father who spent most of his holidays in a boarding school in Dundee unless his friends took him out on the holidays because his parents were absent and alcoholics. But I got a man who encountered God, went on a faith journey and decided to trust God with his heart. I got a man who didn't struggle with addiction, who never abused me who paid a high price to love me. I got that guy. I got a faith story. Doesn't matter, he never preached a sermon. His life has preached to me thousands. What's your faith story? What's your Goliath killing story? Hand those down to your kids. And lastly, when I look at Joseph, it says in Luke 2, verse 41 and 42, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Who were Jesus' parents? Mary and Joseph. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. Joseph was a worshiper. Every year, as priority in his life, it says, as usual, he would go to worship. And I'm telling you, regular worship of God and setting that up as an example in our families is important. Because here what we're doing every day anyway, worshiping. And people are worshiping work and they're worshiping money and they're worshiping culture and they're worshiping stories and they're worshiping a million things. Please, if you want to be a father, someone like the guy God chose to father his child, show your kids worship. Now that is on a Sunday and that's part of it. And we don't get to worship with our kids because of realities and some of the hall and the space and all that stuff. But actually, if the only time your kids see you worship on a Sunday, I would tell you there's probably a challenge in that. I would tell you, probably setting yourself for the accusation of hypocrisy. You worship like this on a Sunday, but you worship the stormers, sorry for you, on a Saturday. Shocks. 
Sorry, I don't know, I've got digressed there. And, um, but allow your kids to see a worship inside you. And you don't need to be a singer. Read the word of God with them. And the Demore's little Ruthie came to me the other day, quoted me almost the whole of the Beatitudes. How old is she? No, I got confused. Okay? Eight. The Beatitudes. She missed one, so she sent me a voice note with that one. I think that's exceptional. I actually think that's supernatural. And I want to honor you guys as parents in our community. And I want to emulate that. Because I'm telling you, our kids will learn to worship from us. And they'll learn what to worship and who to worship from us. And whether you tell them one thing and do another. When I look at Joseph, I see if you want to start as a father or you're looking to see who the father is. This man gives us a few simple points. Number one, a merciful man. Our father in heaven is a merciful God. You can run to him. He will cover your shame. Secondly, he's a protector. Maybe in your story, father wasn't a protector. He was an exposer, an abuser, not an encourager. There's a father in heaven who's different. This father was a father of faith. Live a faith story, sir. Fight some fights that need to be fought for your children and their future. And lastly, he was a worshiper. And Philip told us, he says, if you, Jesus says, if you really know me and you've seen the Father, because you see the Father in me, and Philip goes, show me the Father, because that will be enough for me. What's enough for you today? Yes, a supernatural sight of God. Yes, but the sight of the Father, a protector. Someone who encourages, someone who speaks life, someone who covers shame. Will you stand with me this morning? A simple word for this day and these moments. One last encouragement for fathers and I. I wish I was better. I'm trying to be better, but, but a lecturer once said to me, oxygen is the re- presence is the oxygen of relationship. I will tell you now that presence is the oxygen of your relationship first and foremost with God. Be present with Him. This week, are you present with God? Meaning, in His Word, in worship, in trusting with Him. But then work that out on earth. Maybe saying, well, Mark, I haven't got kids, so this Word doesn't really work for me. Well, maybe you need to phone a father who hasn't phoned for a while. Maybe you need to fight for those things. Start to lead, start to fight for those things. My dad's 80 years old. I realize I probably haven't got many, many years ahead. So every time I've gone back to Durban and I used to prioritize friends and dinners and ministering at churches, these days some of that's changing. Why? Because I love his presence in my life. But there'll be a day where that presence will go, but there'll never be a day where my father's presence leaves me. And he'll never leave you either. Let's pray. God, this morning, a simple word. But actually, sometimes we read characters like Joseph and we think, oh, kind of somehow just got in the mix. No, I think when you looked across the earth, you saw Mary and you saw Joseph. Mary in her innocence and Joseph 
a man who was merciful, who would cover shame, who would protect, and who would worship, and who would stand in faith in you. And I pray today through the simple life and picture of that man today, I pray, Father, Spirit of God, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. I pray for fathers in this room who might have disappointed, disillusioned children out there. I pray, give them courage to make the phone calls that need to be made, to write the letters that need to be written. I pray for children where there are relationships out of kilter with parents. I pray, give them the courage to go after a relationship with their earthly father because you only get one. But speak to us, God. Speak to us. Put courage in men and women in this place to even father like adopted parents like Joseph was for Jesus, that they would father the many of this world. Father people in the workplace. Love and fight for them. Show compassion and comfort. Why, God? Because there's a big mission called the kingdom of God. There's a big story called the love of the Father in heaven. And the fact that eternity is real and we will spend the eternity in your presence. Oh, Lord, give us a passion and a longing for your presence on this side of eternity too. We worship you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. I bless this community. I bless your grace upon every story. I ask for courage and strength to come into every family story in our church. Give us faith stories at this time that we would trust you, King. Amen.